Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 340. Measurement marketing is all about listening to their side of the conversation, listening to our users. And then based on that feedback, we adjust our marketing accordingly. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue. And have I got an important episode topic lined up for you today. Before we get into this, I'd like to ask you a favor. Think of this as an exchange for all the free content you have at your fingertips here twice a week with the podcast. If you haven't done so already, in whatever app you use to listen to the show, will you please leave a comment in the form of a review? Just tell me what you've learned from one of these past episodes, short and sweet. Doing this helps spread the word about this podcast, and I would be ever so grateful. All right, diving into our special topic of the day, Google Analytics. I was introduced to our guest, Mercer, when I took an online course of his that was offered by Social Media Marketing World. Gosh, I'll say about four years ago or so now. It was eye-opening in terms of all that Google Analytics can provide although complex and, to be honest, overwhelming at the same time. But his style of teaching and explanations were totally on point and worth investing the time and brain power, for sure. So, when I was approached to have him on the show, I was excited to share his knowledge with you. But I asked him to talk with us about Google Analytics in doable, easy chunks. And that's exactly what you're going to hear today. Think of Google Analytics as your keyhole peek into a customer's mind. By employing the actions Mercer presents to us today, you'll have insight into your company and how people are interacting that may surprise you. Things you didn't know before about purchasing behavior. That website viewers go first to look at your pumpkin spice candles, but then mostly end up buying vanilla. Or that the promotion that you have on your banner isn't doing anything at all. Too often we interpret what's happening by intuition versus fact. And many, many, many times we're way off. Then what do we do? We make changes that either have zero impact or worse, further distance us from interested customers wanting to make a purchase. As the saying goes, knowledge is power. And in the case of Google Analytics, knowledge will bring you sales. Okay, Mercer, we are set and ready to learn. Today, I am really looking forward to our conversation with Chris Mercer, best known as Mercer, who's co-founder of Measurement Marketing, a sought-after measurement marketing expert. He's been helping marketers, marketing teams, and agencies plan out what's important to measure in their marketing build measurement systems specifically using Google Tag Manager and Google Analytics. If you don't understand what that is, stay tuned. He also helps create actionable dashboard reports and finally use those reports to forecast and optimize their marketing results. 
Mercer has a knack for teaching and is known for his ability to simplify even the most complex ideas for his audience. He also speaks at some of the top conferences in the industry, such as Traffic and Conversion, Social Media Marketing World, and Content Jam. Mercer, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you, Sue. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I love all the energy in your voice too, because (laughs) we need that when you also combine that with the word analytics. That's a fact. You don't think data and like fun stuff, but it can be. But it can be, and it can lead to really awesome things. So we're going to get into all of that, but I do have a traditional question here on the show. All right, I'm ready. Everyone who's listening is a creator. So we're going to make you go into that creative land too. And describe yourself now as a motivational candle. So by color and quote, what would be a Mercer candle? So a Mercer candle would be, I wear a lot of gray. So at first I was going to go with gray, but I thought, you know what? That's maybe not versatile enough. So maybe kind of one of those beigey looking candles because it fits in a lot of different decor. So I thought, okay, it's versatile. So I like a versatile color. Beige would be the color. Then the quote would be trust, but verify. (laughs) <laughs> because I think that encompasses so much of my mindset and kind of what we teach at Measurement Marketing Dio and, and just how to think about the world, which is trust that things are set up correctly, that your beliefs are correct, that whatever it is is done is correct. But you verify that it's not. Let's look for where it could be improved or where it might not be right. And you can definitely, when it comes to data or just life in general, that trust but verify mindset and motto has helped a ton. And it just reconfirms that if you should still do what you're currently doing, or else you could go on for years doing something and not realize that you could be doing so much better. Right. How would you know if you're going down the wrong path unless you occasionally ask yourself, is this the right path? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Trust but verify. Oh, boy. I think I fell into that trap. So anyone else who's listening who's done the same, maybe this will be a point where we can change that a little bit. We'll see. So true. Honestly, I started the same way, right? It's one of these things you learn as you as you go through. Yeah, and we can always get better, right? So no no shame here for sure. (laughs) So you always been an analytical numbers kind of a guy. That's a great question. I wouldn't describe myself as numbers and analytical because I'm not the guy who lives in like data analyst world or data scientist mode. Like I'm not thinking about terms like quant or linear regression or statistics. Like I don't think about any of that stuff at all. But I am a systems person. And that for sure has been a thing because my background is actually in sales and very quickly I moved from sales into sales management. So for a long period of time, I was managing sales teams and training sales teams. And that's always looking at the process that that team is following, the conversation they're having with prospects at various points in time and looking at that system and how do we improve that system? Nowhere to improve. You got to measure it. You got to see what the results are. And so that's where the numbers part comes in is I got very good at measuring systems to figure out what's working and what's not so that we could ultimately improve it. That's what I definitely am. It's definitely more of a systems person. I love that. And my corporate background was sales moving into management as well. Perfect. And the one thing that I loved about that is you're based 100% on your performance. And like back to your beige or gray idea, you're either performing and hitting your numbers or you're not. Right. That's exactly right. Honestly, there is such an amazing sense of peace for me in that. Either it's green or it's red, right? Like it's green or red. There's no shades of yellow. It's just like it just works or it doesn't. And there's beauty in that. It's so nice when you can do things like measure your marketing and know if it's working the way it's supposed to. And if it's not, you know exactly what part isn't. That's kind of the whole beauty of this process. Well, and that's the whole point, too, because green or red, like if you're sitting in red and you see other people in green, to continue with this color Mm -hmm. analogy, Mm -hmm. but you don't know how to get there, 
then it's not peaceful and calming. It's super stressful because it's like, why is everybody else in green and I'm sitting here in red and I have no clue how to make it over there? Exactly right. And one is like, to your point, knowing that you're red, right? And the other one is knowing how to get out. And that is where most people break down. They have no idea how to get out of that red. Exactly right. And that, I think, is what your analytics will help you figure out. That's exactly right. The whole concept of measurement marketing and, and how to think about it, because I realize like there are a lot of people who are not self-described numbers people. I totally get that. I am of the firm belief, like it's kind of what we built our company around is helping what we call normal people learn this stuff, right? Not numbers people. Numbers people are going to learn it on their own. They, they're numbers people. But normal people aren't going to learn something like Google Analytics or any of that sort of thing. So what we do is we sort of start at a base of changing the way you think about this. So it's not, when people think about Google Analytics, they think about data tables and numbers and overwhelm and frustration and not knowing what anything means. And some things seem, they seem one thing says one thing and something else says something else. And you have no idea what to do and you just get frustrated. So better just not to look at it, right? And that's what a lot of people do. I remember I did it in the very beginning. But then I realized that the idea is, has nothing really to do about the numbers or even the tool. Even Google Analytics doesn't really matter. It's the idea that we are measuring for a conversation. And what I mean by that is, let's say I had a shoe store, you came into my shoe store in the offline world. Many of our listeners here have brick and mortar stores. So when somebody comes into the store, you say, hi, you welcome them. What can I help you find? You get them to maybe pick it up off the shelf, try it on, maybe buy another one with a buy one, get one sale on the way out to upsell them and get them on your email list and they're out the door. And that's sort of the process and the flow. And in that process, there would be a natural conversation. I would be asking you questions. You would be responding back to me. I would be adjusting my conversation based upon the feedback that you're giving me, right, in that conversation. And all that's very natural. The same thing happens digitally, but most people just haven't realized that they set this thing up to not listen to the feedback. They're not listening to our customers. So what I mean by that is somebody comes to your Shopify store and you don't really know that they're there. They come and they browse a certain product, but you don't know what products they really are looking at. They added it to cart, they checked out, and then they bought. And at that point, you go, oh, they made a sale. Great. But you don't necessarily know how they made that sale. You don't know the steps they went through. You didn't listen to them along the way. You didn't see that maybe what the products they were buying happens to be the one that have better images. And these other products that they're not buying maybe just don't have the best quality images. Well, those are the sort of things that you can actually set up measurement for. So we sort of listen to the conversation. That's the whole idea is. As a user is using your site, they're having a conversation in their head. And if you think about it, when you go to a website, you can hear the conversation in your head, right? Where you're going through, oh, I'm not sure if I should do this or not. Oh, let me go see what the sizes are. And you're having a conversation between that, that website and obviously yourself. Measurement marketing is all about listening to their side of the conversation, listening to our users. And then based on that feedback, we adjust our marketing accordingly to kind of keep that conversation going. Yeah. I mean, two things come to mind when you talk about this. First, it is a disconnect, I think, for the majority of our listeners, because as creatives, you know, that whole right brain, left brain type yep. thing. Yep. Being more analytical is the opposite of being a creator. Not to say that we aren't. We all have a little bit. But naturally, the majority of us tend to the other side. So it is less comfortable for us. But the other thing I'm thinking, based on your description, makes so much sense to me is you think about the old focus groups, and a lot of us have done focus groups. You know, we've been a participant in the focus groups before, where someone's behind windows or something, and they're listening and observing what we're talking about, how we're responding to whatever the topic is at hand. Would you agree that that's very similar to what you're talking about in terms of looking from behind the scenes as to how activity is happening on your website? Exactly right. And to put it into a slightly different explanation would be, you know, if you owned, let's say your store, right, the shoe store or whatever, and you sort of sit above 
you know, say your office was above kind of looking down at the floor, right? And you could see how everybody was moving through the store. And when you see that, you then know, not just based on what they say they're going to do, but what they actually do, the actions they actually take, the behaviors they actually make. And you can see like, wow, my expensive shoes way on the back right-hand corner, but everybody comes in and goes to the left. No one's seeing the expensive shoes. So maybe you can put up an end cap or maybe you put up a signage that says, hey, check out the new shoes that we just got in, these exclusive offers. We only have 12 pair available. And all of a sudden you start to see when I do that, oh, traffic, instead of going in and to the left, it goes straight back to the right. And then you'll go, perfect. Now I have the behaviors that I'm looking for. And all you did was look at the information and it sort of showed that what was happening. It wasn't what you wanted to happen. So you had changed a few things to elicit those behaviors, to encourage those behaviors to happen. And it's the same thing you can do online. I'll give you kind of an example of digital marketing, how this works in digital marketing. Our flagship product is called the Measurement Marketing Academy. It's kind of the system we use for do-it-yourself training on this. And so the Academy offer page, we know to expect a certain percentage will go from the page to the cart, and then a certain percentage of those will go from the cart to actually purchase. We sort of have an expectation of what this is. And when we looked at our numbers, we realized one day that for some reason, out of nowhere, the behaviors were very different. So I'm just going to use round numbers here. But let's say we expected roughly 10% of the people to go from the offer page to the cart, right? So one out of every 10 would go to the cart page. What was happening was we would get like maybe half the people going to the cart page. And at first glance, you go, wow, that's great because half the people are going to the cart, but they weren't all buying. And that's what we noticed. It was like this really high, what they call a bandit rate. So people weren't buying, they weren't making it through, but they were definitely going to the cart. So what that told us was, and remember, I'm very rarely using numbers when I describe this. Right? We're trying to talk in terms of behaviors. And in my head, I'm visualizing a group of people looking at the page and then some of those people, a smaller group going to the cart. That's what I'm doing in my head right now. So what we noticed was there was too many people going to the cart. There can be too good of a thing. Conversion rate can be too high. And so we looked at this and said, why are so many people going to the cart without the intention of buying? Because remember, they weren't buying. They weren't making it through the cart. And so what we realized was the page had gone through a recent update. And this was years ago. The page had gone through a recent update. And the person who built the page or who updated the page accidentally took off the price. They deleted it. So what happened were people were going to the cart to find out how much it was. And then they were going back to the page, as we all do, right? You always scroll down to the bottom to see the page and you come back up to the top to see if it's worth it. So that's what was happening. They were going to the cart and they would go back to the sales page. The only reason we knew that was happening is because we were watching those numbers. And we had our little report and we went, oh, that's weird. There's a bigger crowd of people in a place that should not have a big crowd of people. Let's go see what's going on. Let's go see the conversation that website's having. And we realized, oh, that website, in this case, the Academy Offer page, is hiding some information. And it needs to not hide the price, right? It wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. It was an accident. But as soon as we put back the price, everything came back normal. And it worked just fine. Oh, wow. But we could easily tell what was going on by what those numbers, the dashboards, in this case, that we were looking at were telling us. Yeah. And to your example, an abandoned cart sequence, you know, to recapture abandoned carts wouldn't have helped you at all. Not at all, because they weren't coming to buy because the problem was still there. There was no price. That's exactly right. Imagine the frustration. If you as a user came in and all of a sudden you're getting an abandonment cart sequence, when in reality you had no intention of buying anyway. So now I'm giving a completely wrong conversation to you. It's like when you come into the shoe store and I say, hey, welcome to the shoe store. What can I help you with? You're like, oh, sorry, I'm here to get my nails done. I was looking for the nail salon. I'm like, oh yeah, they moved. It's actually across the street now. Great. That's not a problem. That would perfectly be fine in the normal world. In the digital world, what would happen is I would then follow you to the nail store and then ask you to buy shoes again for about three days, just to make sure that you are still not in the market for shoes. 
<laughs> and that's yeah. only because you came to the shoe store. And it, but that's not at all. You didn't have the intention of doing shoes. And you can measure for stuff like that. So that's the idea is like, we want to make sure that the conversation we're having is relevant with our users. And the only way to make sure that you're saying something that makes sense to them and that meets their expectation is if you get really good at listening. And the best part about this is the customers. I think a lot of people, I know for a fact I did, I used to think this is like a weird puzzle that I have to figure out the market because they're hiding from me and they're being coy and they're pretending and they don't want to tell me the answers. And in reality, that was me just not being good at asking the right questions. But the market will absolutely tell you if they like something or if they don't. And you just have to get good at asking the questions, but they will absolutely tell you if something's good or not. Like when we hit the price that we knew instantly, oh, the numbers totally changed. The dashboard totally shows something different. They are clearly acting in a way that is not what should be happening. Let's go make that adjustment. Let's go find out where that error is and fix it. You know, and then it instantly went back instantly. It was like within 24 hours, we had the numbers all back, which is pretty cool. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, showing results can change that quickly is very cool. And I also feel right now that everyone is so wary online of getting scammed. Yeah. You know, I heard about someone a couple of weeks ago who purchased a bunch of things and never got them. You know, so virtually she sent money off into who knows where and never got what she thought she was buying. So everyone's antennas are way up with things like that. Okay, so I would love to take this conversation to a point where we have some tangible, actionable things for everyone who's listening, and then also talk about more of what's possible. But if we could give them a few things, maybe if you were just starting off doing this, and maybe it's even just make sure your analytics are connected up properly. <laughs> you know, I don't know, like going back to that far. Absolutely. Let's talk about the framework because this is a lot of times this stuff, it is overwhelming and it is frustrating. I get it. I get overwhelmed and frustrated sometimes. Like it, it is because Google Analytics has got a lot of levers and dials and it is frustrating. So I think first thing is you sort of just, we use the phrase over and over again, get good enough to get going, then come back and make it better later. Like give yourself permission to be okay with where you are. But do something. But do something, right? So to your point, it's, okay, if you haven't lit up, so we have sort of three stages of this framework, and I'll go through the framework in a moment here, but there are three stages to it. The first is the cave setup. And we call it the cave is because that's when people would tell us, they're like, well, I feel like I don't know what's working. I don't know what's not. I don't have any visibility in anything. And I feel like I'm wandering around in the dark, just making guessing, guess, guess, guessing at what should be changed. That's a rough place to be in, but that's where most people are and certainly where everybody starts. If you're in the cave right now, your goal is just to light stuff up find a flashlight and get out of the cave, right? That's the idea. It does not have to be perfect. You don't need to be tracking loan or uh, LTV, right? Lifetime value and anything else that they talk about that you say one day you're supposed to have. Like, don't worry about any of that because you're in the cave. You just need to light things up, start using the tools so you can get used to the tools. Once you're out of the cave, right? Which is, again, that is just starting the process. You just do beginner baby steps. Then you're going to go through the framework again. Again, we'll cover the framework in just a minute here. But then you go into what we call the valley of visibility. Well, now at this point, you've kind of gone through the steps once and now you've lit up things. So now you're walking to analytics and you kind of have an idea of what it's telling you. It's not the perfect answer every single time whenever you need it, but it's better than not knowing anything. It's kind of like having a prescription glasses where there's a difference between wearing a prescription that's maybe a little old or not wearing any glasses at all. Mm -hmm. I would much rather wear the prescription that's just a little bit old, right? Because it's better than not wearing glasses at all. Well, and when you can see things, you also then have a baseline to work from. It's exactly right. You start to see more of what's there, right? And then ultimately you get to the summit, right? If you think about like a mountaintop. 
And then that's the very complicated stuff. That's the things where people are doing LTV and everything else. But at this point, when you get to the summit, it's because you've got all this muscle. Because you climbed your way out of the cave, you hiked your way through the valley. By the time you get to the summit, you understand measurement, you know the strategies, you know the tools, and everything's just so much easier. And that's how we think about it. You think about like a vehicle to get through, you walk through the cave, right? You bicycle through the valley and you use a helicopter to get from summit to summit to summit, right? That's what you would do in mountaintops. What a lot of people do is they try to, they look at the helicopter, which is very complicated. It is. It's complicated. It's tough to use. If you don't know anything about transportation at all, it is. But you would never start to learn a helicopter right away. You start by learning how to walk. Then you learn how to ride a bike. Then eventually you move into the helicopter. And if you build a helicopter when you're in a cave, it's not a useful thing. So it doesn't even matter. So that's sort of the idea is get good enough to get going. And then you come back and make it better later. Give yourself permission to be where you are no matter what. You just need to be a little bit better today than you were yesterday. That's it. Now, the framework itself, it's pretty simple. It's three steps. The first is planning, and that's the one I think we focus on today because that's where most people kind of go a little crazy. So planning, then you do your build out where you're using the tools to measure stuff. So it might be Facebook ads manager. It might be Google analytics. It might be your Shopify analytics. It might be the Etsy analytics, right? Whatever the thing is that you're using. And that's the build. So first you plan things out, then you build things out, and then you act upon the stuff that you've built, which is you look at the reports and then you kind of do the things with the numbers. So plan, build, and act are really the three steps. Now in the planning stage, that particular step is one I want to focus on because a lot of people, this is the part they skip because they don't know how to necessarily plan. They think that it's just, oh, asking a question, but there's actually a couple steps to that. So the first is asking questions. You got to know what questions are important to ask and get answers to. And the way to think about the questions is you think about your results that you're trying to get, and then you think immediately about how you're getting those results. So in my case, it might be, oh, I'm trying to figure out how many Academy memberships I've sold. So that's the results I'm trying to get. So I need to measure for that, right? What my average sales are, how many units I sold, that sort of thing. But then you also want to measure how I sold those, or I would want to know that. So I understand how my process works. So I want to know how many people saw the cart and bought, how many people actually started the offer page, right? Or, or in the case of an e-commerce store, maybe the product detail page of a certain candle. And of those, how many added to cart? Of those, how many started the checkout process? Of those, how many finished, right? That sort of thing. So it's just results and how questions is all you do in the beginning. I remember, and we were talking about this a little bit in our pre-chat about a program that I took from you several years ago. And I remember specifically you saying, don't just go in there blind because you're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to shut it down and never go back again. Right? Yep. <laughs> See what a good student I am here? Exactly. Exactly. You can say you were paying attention. Yep. I was paying attention. But <laughs> how detailed of questions should you get? I mean, obviously, they have to relate to our own business. And maybe, especially as we're just getting acquainted, you take an example or two, like you were just talking about. But how many questions and how detailed should we be as a beginner? So this is where that rule comes in. And this is how overwhelm happens, is because you'll start to do, and again, and I did this. There's no judgment on anybody that's gone through this process. But this is how overwhelm happens, is you will Google things like, what are the best questions for an Etsy store owner to ask around numbers? And you will get a million blog posts and a thousand YouTube videos all saying the seven key questions that you should ask. Then you end up with hundreds of questions. And now you're overwhelmed because you're like, I have no idea what this stuff means or what I would do it anyway. So when it comes to the questions, you trigger that rule in place, which is good enough to get going. And you use the results and how method. So I get my results questions and I get the how I'm getting the results. And you do it to the best of your current ability. And how do you know that? When you're kind of like, yeah, that sounds good. If I know those, that would be useful. Done. Stop there. Does that mean I'm going to ask the same questions? No, because my skills are different. So I'm going to come in at a higher level because I have more muscle built because I understand measurement. 
But if you're just starting out, just get the results questions. Like, so if it's leads or appointments you're setting or number of people in the store, whether it's brick and mortar or digital or whatever the number of sales, like whatever the results are you're trying to achieve for your business model. And then a couple of the how steps of how you're achieving those. So you understand kind of the journey that happened in order to produce those results. And then that's it. You stop there. Once you have those, then you do your information. And this whole, these parts that I'm about to talk about, they kind of work together to improve each other. So you have the questions. You sort of start with your results and how, just the basics, just good enough to get going. And remember, that's all it is. You don't need to list 15 questions, four, three to five is fine. No big deal. It's three to five questions to get started, especially when you're getting started. Then it's information. And you can think about this like three columns. So first column is all the questions you're trying to answer, right? Three to five just to get started because you're practicing, right? This is the whole idea of when you're in the cave is to practice asking questions. So three to five questions, then you do the information. The information is the second column. And what you're asking here is what information will I need to collect in order to get these answers? So your cart system might have the number of sales and the average units and all of that stuff. But Google Analytics might be the platform to know how do people solve the cart? Right, for example. So you think about what's the information, the behaviors that are happening on the site that I need to actually collect so I can get answers to these questions. And then this is the third and final part. And this is how you know if you've asked a question that's useful. Because a lot of people will ask a million questions, but they're not necessarily useful for them. And the way you can tell that is, so again, think three columns. We have what we call this key up process. There's questions, there's the information that you need in order to get the answers to the questions. And then this is the most important part, what actions will I take based upon the answers I get? Now, this is before you open up analytics. It's before you look at your card system. You're literally just doing this on a piece of paper, if you want, or a whiteboard. You list that out. And so you think to yourself, okay, what actions would I take? So my goal is 10 sales this week. If I get less than 10 sales, I'm going to go back to that Facebook campaign. and I'm going to see if I can play around with the targeting because it's not bringing me enough people. If I get more than 10 sales, I'm going to go look to scale that campaign on Pinterest because we know that campaign is doing really well. Something along those lines but you're kind of role-playing it in your head as you go through. Now, sometimes when you think about the actions you're going to take, which in this case I technically just did, you will find that you need to refine your questions a little bit. So what I did in my actions is I referenced a Facebook campaign or a Pinterest campaign, but I didn't ask questions about Facebook or Pinterest, right? I just asked questions about the results, the number of units. Well, now I realize what I'm really asking is, is my Facebook campaign generating at least 10 sales a week? Is my Pinterest campaign at least generating 10 sales a week? So now I've improved the question I'm trying to get answers to. Then I think to myself, well, what information would I need in order to get the answers? Well, I got to measure that in my cart system. I got to make sure that my cart knows they came from Pinterest. And if I can't do that, maybe Google Analytics can tell me that, which it could. And then, of course, what actions will I take? And then once I get that done, now I've got my measurement plan in place. At that point, I then go into Google Analytics or another tool to, to do any sort of measurement. And that's where I look to those answers. And if those answers are not there, in other words, if I'm not collecting the information already, I set it up so that it is collecting the information. So I can get answers to those. Does that make sense? Kind of how those two pieces work together? It completely makes sense in terms of the strategy. Figuring out what you need, which is the questions, then what is the information I need? What is the number? So like the data behind the answers to the questions, if you will. And then based on the data, which way are you going to go if you're seeing good results if you're not seeing good results. So like creating the story before you open the book, kind of. 100% right. That's 100% right. What should this book be about? What should my measurement tell me? What is the conversation that I think I'm having with my users? And then we are going to plan all that out. And if the conversation is good, then I'm going to do this. If the conversation is not so good, I'm going to do this. Then you do your build. And then, of course, that's where you're looking in the actual reports or set it up so that it is able to answer your questions. And then when you get to the act stage, which is that, that third step, remember, plan, build, and act. 
in the act stage, you're looking at your reports. You're looking at maybe the source media report in Google Analytics, or maybe it's a you know Etsy analytics report or something like that, or your Facebook's ads manager. And you're getting the answers to those questions and you're saying, okay, well, now that I know what my benchmarks are and I know I average about 10 sales a week, now you can start to forecast and do some really cool things. So instead of just saying, hey, what happened last week to all that money I spent on Facebook, you start saying things like, well, here's what should happen next week to the 500 bucks I'm going to put on Facebook. And then you start forecasting results. So of the 500 bucks, I should get at least, let's say 400 people come to the page and 25% of those should take my coupon code and opt in for my coupon and then use that within seven days to purchase. Now you have your forecast or what we call marketing forward. Now you can start to optimize because what will happen is you'll measure against what you thought was going to happen. And so very quickly, you'll know like, Hey, I spent 500 bucks on Facebook. I thought I was going to get 400 people. I only got a hundred people. So something's probably off in the targeting somewhere or something's because they're not clicking. They're not clicking on the ad to even come over to the site at all. So, you know, it's probably on the Facebook end, but let's say you are getting those 400 people, but then none of them are opting in or taking advantage of your coupon. Well, maybe it's an offer problem, right? Maybe the coupon needs to be improved or the offer needs to be improved. Maybe it's the expectation the ad generated. Sometimes the ad might say something like, Hey, we've got sweaters on sale. And then you send them into a page that's got shoes on it and there's a disconnect, right? And so that's the sort of stuff where very quickly you start to see, oh, here's where the conversation's going the wrong direction. It's this part of my customer journey that isn't matching what they expect to happen. So it's this part that as a marketer, I'm going to go in there and improve and make and change and make my best guess to make sure the conversation goes in the direction that we want it to go in. Right. I mean, because guess what we do when we don't have all of this put together? What we're all probably doing, the majority of us right now, which is if a campaign doesn't work, you guess as to why it didn't work. That's exactly right. And then you might take a totally wrong approach, spend more money, take more time, because you really don't have an intelligent, any real solid data behind decisions. It's all guesswork of why things are or aren't working. And you could be way off. It's exactly right. And it's literally like you saying, like the market saying, hey, by the way, I can tell you how to fix this. And you're like putting your hand up going, no, 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 I'll figure it out. (laughs) That's what we're doing. We don't measure properly, right? I'll give you an example. It goes back to what you talked about before about the tendency that people might be a little afraid of being scammed, right? Where somebody Mm -hmm. buys a product and they never get the products. Let's pretend for a second, that was the hypothesis I had where I'm like, well, I think the offer is not working because they're just a little concerned and they feel it's too risky to purchase. So what would somebody who has that sort of behavior, if we're going to role play this real quick, if they have that sort of behavior, what would somebody who's risk averse and they want to make sure that they're not going to get scammed, what would they look for on the page? What do you think you would look for? What would I look for? Mm-hmm. Like say, put an offer page and you're kind of like, oh, I don't want to get scammed. I want to make sure this is a real thing. Like what sort of things would you look for that might elicit trust? Quite honestly, first, I'm going to look at the About Us page to see who this person is. And if I think they're really an artist, like there's enough built out on the page But then I'm going to look at probably reviews of, of course, the products, pricing. Testimonials they might have. Testimonials. And that the checkout process is smooth. There's no hiccups. I'm not going off to some type of funny pages that don't make sense to me. Right. Which a lot of you, exactly. Right. Those types of things. But first, me personally, I would do a credibility play with what's on the site. And this is the best part about this process because you can say, okay, well, here's what we think is happening. People in our marketplace, they really are risk averse and they want to make sure that they're making a good decision. So they're going to put a little more research up front. So what we're going to do is part of our customer journey is they visit the about page. We're assuming they're doing that. Well, how would we know if they're doing that or not? That's where Google Analytics comes in because we can go to Google Analytics and say, how many people saw the about page and how many of those people went to our offer page after that? 
And now Google Analytics can tell you, oh, here's everybody's going to the about page and then going to the offer page. And you can say, wow, that's a lot. I guess we're right. There are people who are risk averse. But if no one's seeing the about page, then maybe they're not investigating that way. And we would know that. So now we don't put a bunch of work into our about page, making the assumption that it's what everyone's seeing when in reality, nobody is. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the beauty of analytics is because you go there to your point earlier about asking specific questions of Google Analytics. You go there with a specific purpose in mind. Like, I believe people are looking at our about page because they're trying to research us. Therefore, most of the people that are on our offer should have already seen our about page because that would have been, if I'm right, that would have been a natural part of their process. So then I can go to Google Analytics and say that our people who are purchasing or looking at the offer, maybe not even purchasing, but looking at the offer, did they go to the about page? And Google will say yes or no which is the beauty of it because it's not like, well, it depends. It's no, they did or they didn't. The market is doing this and the market's not doing that. Now, if the market's not doing that, you go, okay, well, maybe it's not the about page, but I bet you they're looking at the testimonials and the reviews that we have on our pages. In that case, you could set up your measurement system to literally, this is kind of a little bit more advanced, but it's cool because it goes into the world of what's possible. You can literally say when the review comes in, when that review section shows, like when they scroll down to where the reviews are and they stare at it for at least, let's say, seven seconds. Well, now you know they're probably really looking at reviews. They're investigating reviews versus just scrolled past it. So you can measure for very specific behaviors that would essentially to you sort of communicate the intention of the person, right? Their side of the conversation. Because if they are looking at your reviews for 10 or 15 seconds, they're probably looking at them. They're probably really investigating them. If you have videos, you could tell if somebody interacted with a video and watched a specific testimonial. You can see how far they made it through the video. So it's that sort of stuff where you can confirm instead of, to your point earlier about guessing, instead of guessing, well, maybe it's the headline or maybe it's the design or maybe it's I got to switch to some new platform of the day, whatever the platform is. It's none of that. The market will tell you and say things like, hey, we really were concerned because we weren't sure if this was going to be a real product or not, if people really liked it. The about page didn't do it for us. It wasn't our thing, but mostly what we care about is really good quality reviews. And if we look at reviews, we're more likely to then go to the cart and you go, aha, cool. Now I got to make the page so that there are more reviews. Maybe there's an up above the fold review because we know how important that is, that above the fold space. And now you're making design changes to your marketing page, right? As based on what your customers are telling you that they want. And that's based on the measurement because you're listening to them, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. So what about people who have like a lead page or something that goes into many of the people who are listening here also do courses, you know, training courses, Mm -hmm. that type of thing that Mm -hmm. might come in through a lead page. Is that also something that you can monitor? Isn't it exciting how much understanding behind the scenes can lead to better results in the future? We'll learn more about that in just a minute. But first, we're going to take a peek at a little bit of the behind the scenes from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Nancy. I get to work with all the beautiful colors of ribbon as I pick and pack customer orders for the ribbon print company. Our ribbon printing systems include the software, printer, and everything you need to start printing ribbon right away in your shop or craft studio. And when you need new colors or sizes of ribbon or ink, we call them foils. We're just an order away. My favorite thing is when I'm filling an order and everything fits in the box perfectly. Really, I don't know why, but it's so rewarding. Kind of like how our customers feel when they print personalized ribbons and see the reaction on the faces of their customers. Pure happiness and surprise. Besides the more obvious uses for custom ribbon, I'm seeing it used for sashes, party decor, and bookmarks. 
there really is no limit to its application. In our small town, the main street is lined with ribbon the city requested saying, stand strong and we're in this together. Our high school also used ribbon to motivate the students when we had Jason Brown competing in the Olympics. It's a joy to be surrounded by something that can provide motivation and joy to others. To learn more and see the ribbon printer in action, go over to theribbonprintcompany.com. It is. There are some times you are limited by your tech. Not every platform that's out there is easily measured. Lead pages is pretty easy to measure, so you can tell things like that. As long as you can get code on pages, and remember, it's always, it's kind of like the level, I always think about that, the glasses prescription we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So there's the difference between not knowing anything, in other words, not wearing glasses at all and bumping into walls, or it's, do I have an older prescription that's maybe not the greatest, but at least I'm not bumping into walls anymore. Right. And then you do that long enough until maybe eventually you say, okay, our company's big enough now. We don't need to use lead pages. We'll build our own platform. Maybe use WordPress. It's a little easier to measure. We can now answer this, this, and this. Right. But you do that more advanced stuff as you grow out of the level you're in. I would never try to do level seven just because you know level seven exists. You just don't do that. You got to work your way up through the levels because every level that you go through, every time you go through that framework of plan, build, and act, every time you do that, you build muscle and you get better at planning the next time you plan. You get better at building the next time you build. You get better at acting on the stuff the next time you take action on it. And then you go through it again. You come back and you build a plan. You're going to ask bigger questions now. Because now you already have answers to the basic questions. Now you're asking bigger questions. That's how this process works. Okay, let me take another example and tell mm -hmm. us what we could do with this. I'm a candle maker. Mm -hmm. I've added three new scents to my line just in time for the holidays. I've put them on my homepage because they're new products. So I want them front and center where people can see them. They, of course, link to the product page where people could check out. I also have decided to run Facebook ads to that section on my website, right? And now I've run it a couple of weeks. I'm wondering if the Facebook ad is working because I've also been at craft shows and I've directed people just to come to the website. Yes. And I've done some Pinterest posts, no ads on Pinterest, just some post story behind how I created these products, why I decided that I was going to make do these scents, et cetera. Now I'm trying to decide what I should double down on of all these things that I've done. Whether it's Facebook or Pinterest or just doing kind of the face-to-face. -face. Or not do either of those and just yeah. really hammer it home face-to-face. -face. Yeah. So in your Google Analytics, this is kind of the good part about Google Analytics. Remember, there's always levels and versions to all things, but we'll start with the basics. Google Analytics by default will tell you if somebody came from Facebook. It'll say something like if there's a report called the source medium report, anybody, if you go to analytics, you can just start typing in source medium in the search box, it'll pull it up. But it'll tell you what are the different traffic sources. In other words, who's sending you traffic. It'll tell you how much of that traffic they're sending you. It'll give you some engagement signals about how engaged that traffic is. And then it'll tell you the results of the traffic, whether you're measuring for sales or leads or whatever the thing is. So in this case, Google Analytics, if you have that already set up on your store, then it already knows they came from Facebook and it will already tell you how many you've sold, assuming that your analytics is set up to do that. Pinterest, same thing. It'll tell you Pinterest and then sold. The one thing it will not tell you is the face-to-face, -face, and that's probably because it's what they would call direct traffic, which means you just gave me a card or the website address and I typed it in and I came directly to the page without coming in through another ad or, or anything else. So to Google Analytics, it doesn't know that I was at a face-to-face -face fair because obviously it can't manage that at the farmer's market. It doesn't know that I'm there. 
but it just knows that I showed up one day. So it'd be direct none. Now that in and of itself can at least answer, this is out of the box. You don't do anything to analytics for that to tell you this part, right? It'll tell you how many came from Facebook, how many came from Pinterest or how many came in direct. And that's the three main ways you can do that. The next level up, this is one of those things like the cave style setup is where you sort of light up analytics and get used to the reports and what they look like. Then you level it up when you get into that valley visibility we talked about. And there's something called UTMs. So anybody can Google these UTMs, but they're these little parameters that you add onto the end of a URL. So instead of going to like mysite.com, it'll go to mysite.com and then you'll see these things that say question mark, UTM underscore source equals blah, blah, blah. And it sort of identifies what they call them UTMs because they always start with UTM. But they identify the source of the traffic. So they identify which brand is sending you the traffic. They identify what type of traffic is coming from that brand. And they identify the purpose. Like why are they even coming over there in the first place? So you could see it was Facebook paid traffic. If you're using UTMs, you'll see Facebook paid traffic. You will see Pinterest paid traffic, or in your case, social traffic, right? Just plain social. So Pinterest social, the stuff that you're not boosting or paying for. And you would also see your face-to-face traffic. It might even say something like farmer's market because you can set up a redirect. That would you redirect them to a UTM. In fact, at the end of this, we'll use a redirect to measure how well this podcast is doing. And if it's sending us traffic, we'll know very specifically, even though there is no computer and you're not having to click on a link, you can type the link directly in and it'll automatically tell us if this podcast is generating traffic. Same way with a farmer's market or a live event that you're marketing at. And so that's kind of the next level up. And what I would do is I would go through that planning stage first. So you're thinking about, okay, and it's kind of another way to think about the planning process is how is it supposed to work? So of the money you spent on Facebook, how many people was Facebook supposed to send to your site? How many of those were supposed to buy? Same thing for Pinterest. How many eyeballs were you supposed to get from Pinterest over to your site? How many were supposed to buy? And then the farmer's market. How many am I supposed to meet? How many are supposed to show up? How many are supposed to buy? And you sort of pencil those out and then you measure against what you thought was going to happen. So that's when you would, you'd set this up, you look in your analytics and it will very clearly tell you, Hey, Facebook, they're not even clicking on the ads. So if that's the case where you spend a hundred bucks on Facebook, but nobody's coming over to the site, then you know, it's something with your ad. It doesn't mean Facebook necessarily doesn't work, but that particular ad definitely isn't. So you should probably work on the messaging or the targeting there. Pinterest, let's say as an example, shows there's a bunch of people coming to your site, but none of them are buying. In that case, it's something we call the expectation engine, but you want to match the expectation. So you think about what's that Pinterest post that they're clicking on and that particular post, is it setting them up for the expectation to investigate buying holiday candles, right? And if it's not, if it just says, oh, you know, here's some candles, but then you come over and it's like, oh, here's holiday candles. Maybe that's the disconnect and you should send them to a more generic candles page and then put the holiday candles a little bit lower to highlight that feature. And then there's the direct clients, right? The ones that otherwise show up as direct none. If you can use UTMs to measure them ideally, but you can say, oh, my farmer's market traffic, it won't be a lot of traffic, but what I would expect is that traffic converts. And so you should see, you know, a good 20 or 30% of those may be purchasing. And if they're not doing that behavior or you're not even seeing them show up, then it's like you talking to hundred people at the farmer's market, then none of them actually show up on the site. Well, you're like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll still talk to them, but I'm not going to count on it as a traffic source because that's not how it works. That's where analytics can kind of light up and say, and you're always asking the question of analytics, here's what should be happening. Is it happening? And that's different than jumping to analytics to find out what's happening. And I know it sounds, it's a subtle, subtle difference, but it's monumentally different in your head. One, if you say, hey, what's happening, analytics? Analytics gives you the world and it overwhelms you with all this stuff. And now you leave confused and frustrated because you're not even sure what anything means anymore because it's giving you too much information. But if you say, no, 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 I don't need to know everything. I just want to know, is my Facebook traffic 
sending me at least a hundred people last week. And did those hundred people, did I at least get three sales? Analytics can be, and they will say yes or no. And then, you know, okay, here's what I need to adjust because I either matched expectations or it didn't. And that's where you go through that key process. Think about the actions you're going to take. And then at that point you would take those actions to improve the results. Yeah. I mean, I see so much application to this too, because if you get a lot of people, regardless of where the source is, and they're jumping over to your product pages, but then nobody's buying, is it your photos? Well, first off, is it the right product? You know, are they coming and seeing something they weren't expecting to see? That would be first. But are your photos really grainy? You know, so that is the quality of your product too. I mean, it relates unconsciously if you have bad photos. Do you not even have a description? It just says vanilla candle price. Well, what's enticing to me about that, (laughs) you know? So you have to build all those things out. Like if people are coming over, you're getting the audience, you're not convincing them that they should buy. So that's a very different thing than if people aren't coming over at all. Then the other thing I'm thinking, Chris, and do a strategy check with me on this. Sure. Doing a farmer's market this week. Two weeks from now, I'm doing a craft show. Another week from now, I'm doing a different show. So let's say that first one, the farmer's market, got a ton of sales at this farmer's market. So face-to-face selling was awesome. I didn't have very many people coming over to the... Did you just go yay? Yay, (laughs) Yay. celebrations, yay, gotta take the wins. But you didn't see many people. You didn't see your organic traffic, let's call it. Like the average, because you already have your average of how many people are coming on a regular base. Yeah, and you didn't see like a spike coming into your, right. You didn't see a spike, right. So you know that for farmer's markets, I'm going to pretend like they're all the same, okay? But that's where you're going to sell product. So then you want to look at it pretty quickly right after that timed event. Then you go and you see what happens. You see your results. You do exactly, Chris, what you said. Like you've got your question, did the farmer's market bring any additional online traffic and additional sales? Based on the behaviors you see, then you form your actions. And some of the actions might be, okay, I get it. Farmer's market, great in person, doesn't really convert for me, which could be very different from the neighboring booth at the farmer's market. You know, this is very individual. In the way that you're, at least they're not engaging with the conversation as it now stands. Right. That's exactly right. Right. Exactly. So you'd want to look at those numbers in close enough time to the event for the example I'm describing now. Mm -hmm. So then in two weeks from now, I go to a craft show. I don't sell as many at the craft show, but I come back and my traffic and sales skyrocket. And it still looks like it's organic because to your point, the face-to-face and I'm giving them the website from my cards or a brochure or something. But because of the timing of that event, I can pretty much say that there's been a huge boost and I just did that craft show. So my thinking with all of this talk is that you can understand what you're doing overall in a lot of your business and how the sales are coming in and understand farmer's markets face-to-face. Yes, they'll have exposure to your site, but they like to buy from you in person. They want to see your products because that's the audience that goes there. That's the idea of a farmer's market, right? You want to know the person you're buying from. Yeah. Yeah. Craft shows may buy from you there, but a lot of people might decide they want more later after they've been there, want to think about it, follow up and purchase it online. Coming for inspiration and ideas maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So then you would no longer be saying this craft show didn't work for me. Like I just covered my cost of the booth. But then really, that's not true because you really did generate all these other sales later by being at the craft show then. Just gives you so much more perspective on what's really happening with your business. 
It's exactly right, especially if that's a repeatable trend. Mm-hmm. The truth mm-hmm. is in the trend, the power is in the pattern when it comes to all of this stuff. So if you saw like every craft show or, or most craft shows, there was always a little bump in the traffic after the craft show for the next week or so. You're like, hmm, now I can start to forecast how a craft show should work. I'm going to show up. I'm going to make a little bit. I'll pay the cost of the booth. But then a week later, within the next week, I'm going to make an extra percentage of sales based on who I'm talking to at that because that's how craft shows work. You could also then compare craft show against craft show too to see which ones are the right ones for you. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. And to your point about the farmer's markets, I think it goes back to this thing we call the expectation engine, right? Which is always you have to match every step that we take anywhere in life, but specifically digital marketing. When you go to click on a Facebook ad or whatever the ad is or the email you're about to open, you click on the link or you're about to click on the link, there is an expectation of what you think is about to happen. That's the only reason you're about to take the action you're about to take is because you've already forethought what that expectation is. So when you click on that link and then the expectation is matched, you stick around. And now that place that you're at, maybe it's the offer page or something like that, it has a chance to sort of, obviously it matches the expectation and then it creates a new expectation for the next step, right? Mm -hmm. So in the case of an offer page, it might be building the value of the candles so that I can eventually get you to the cart page. The cart page is the expectation I'm going to give you a payment information and the cart page is going to look like it's got some authority to it and it's going to take your credit card and make it a smooth process and eventually get you a thank you page, et cetera, et cetera. So in the farmer's market example, you might be doing the exact same communication in both a craft fair, and this is kind of a fascinating example because it's offline, which I love. So it's to get the craft fair model, you've got the farmer's market model, you're doing the same thing to both markets. But to your point, the mindset is very different of a farmer's market person because they're all about the relationship and the craft fair person because maybe they're all a little bit more about research and inspiration and they're naturally going to go to the site more often. So the farmer's market one, you can go, well, I'm going to sell a lot in the farmer's market and I'm not going to get a lot of organic at least doing it the way I'm currently doing it because they're not likely to do that. However, what if I gave all of those people who bought a little thing that said, hey, go to the site and leave me a review. And if you can do that within three days, I'll give you like this little mini candle bonus or something, right? Some reason to leave. A re- now you're giving your buyers a reason to go to the site so they can sign up, so you can get them on a list or whatever. And they're leaving reviews, which is now going to help for the craft fair people who are coming over to investigate And now you're leveraging the same activity of farmer's market. So even though you may be getting sales from them directly, you are getting other things from them, encouraging that way. And that's the beauty of measurement, because it could have been that farmer's markets work just like craft markets or craft fairs do, in which case you're like, cool, I like doing both. But if it's not, you go, what else can I do? How can I adjust the conversation that I'm having to get them to do something different and something that's going to be a little more useful for the brand that you're managing? Yeah. And I love this example because you're using one to boost another too. Yes, exactly. Leveraging. These aren't just separate entities. You can build them on top of each other to strengthen the whole. Yeah. And again, it's all of a sudden you start realizing, wow, my marketing is, it's pretty good marketing. It's a pretty good plan. And you can hold your own at a mastermind group when you're talking with your friends, right? And they're saying, well, what are you guys doing? No, here's how we do it. We go to farmer's markets and we do this and that ties into this and that knocks down this domino and that's what causes this to happen. And you can measure for all of it. You'll know if it's working or not. That's the beauty. Because if they don't come to that specific page you set up for them to do testimonials, you will see it. Analytics will say, yeah, nobody showed up this week. And you'll see it. You'll be like, okay, well, that wasn't it. Let me try something else, right? But that's the beauty is you don't have to guess. You don't have to hope. You don't have to randomly, you know, what they call random acts of marketing. You don't have to try that. You just know like, oh, it's this one part I have to figure out. And you can focus all your energy and resources on the part that is most likely going to move the needle. It's like a puzzle instead of guessing all the time. Right. It's a lot more fun to figure out how to put a puzzle together than it is randomly guess your rate of success. True. Especially when it's a picture that I really like. Exactly. (laughs) When it's a picture that you've created. Exactly right. Yes. 
So, all right, so all of this happens in Google Analytics. And if you don't have Google Analytics already connected to your website, everyone just go and start doing that because it starts gathering data whether you're looking at it or not. Right, Chris? Absolutely. It'll start as soon as you activate it. Mm -hmm. it will start collecting some information. Now, it won't be perfect. Again, this is like the blurry version of the glasses, right? The blurry prescription. But it will be better than not knowing anything at all. Yeah, you've got the glasses on. Exactly. you got the glasses on. And then eventually you can get used to it. Then you start learning how to actually set it up, how to educate it and train it so that it knows how to tell your story. And then it gets better and better. And I'll give you an example, again, for the people who are like, I, I'm just not a numbers person. You don't understand. I'm not a data person. So if I gave you, if I gave you, Sue, a children's book, and I said, read this children's book to me. Let's say Goldilocks and Three Bears. Chances are you could read that pretty easily. Now you hand me back the book. I rip out the pages and I rip those pages into pieces. And then I put them on between the covers of the book and I hand you back the book. And I say, read me the story. Now, could you read the story? The answer is yes, you could. Because I did not change your ability to read. You're still a good reader. It's just that I made it a lot harder because everything's kind of split up in different puzzle pieces and you got to figure out all the different pages and paste them together. And it's going to take you a lot longer, but you can definitely read that story. It's going to take forever and you'll probably get frustrated. Google Analytics, when it's first turned on, is kind of like a bunch of ripped up pages. It's got a bunch of data. It's got a bunch of stuff coming in from left, right and sideways. And it's not really trained yet. You haven't pasted it together. You haven't taught it to tell you a story. And so when you first start it, and this is for the people who are like, no, I've tried analytics before, but you probably just turned it on, meaning you activated it, it got a bunch of data, and then you tried to use that data to make decisions. It's not quite ready right away to do that. You want to learn how to use the reports. If you're just starting out, learn the source meeting report. If you just learn that one report, it will solve 80% of your questions that you have. So there's something called the source meeting report. Get good at that one and then figure out how do I make this report even better? And that's where you'll learn stuff like, oh, UTMs, I can identify my traffic sources a little better. I can do some cool things with that. Oh, I'm gonna set some goals in Google Analytics so I can identify which traffic source are good at making people aware of my candles, which traffic sources are good at actually selling candles because they may be different. And then you start to really level things up and you get more into it. And the tool, again, naturally tells you a story. It can be very much like reading a kid's book but you got to put the pages together first. And that's the trick that most people just don't realize they need to do. Yeah, that's a perfect example because I think we've got a lot of people here who have the cover of the book with all the little pieces inside. And they think to themselves, I'm not a good reader, which is sad because they are. They just haven't put the pieces together. That's all it is. For sure. What is Google Tag Manager? Great question. So Tag Manager is definitely for that level up when somebody's kind of used analytics and they've got analytics set up. But by default, if we think about measurement in general, measurement's really doing three things. First, you sort of collect the information that you need to get to get the answers you were asking, right? So you have to collect that. You need a tool that collects it. You need a tool that then stores that somewhere. And you need a tool that builds reports so you can actually see it. Google Analytics does all three by default. It collects basic information. It collects, it stores that information in its database. And then it has reports. And that's really where, as users, that's where we use it. We're interacting with the report side of things. So that's what it does, all three. But it collects basic behaviors. It doesn't collect very specific behaviors. And here's an example. It will collect when they see a page, let's say, like your about page. But it cannot really tell us without some advanced developers coming in, it can't really tell us, did they scroll down to the about page and look at the testimonials where people were leaving reviews about how good we were for at least, did they look at that section for 13 seconds? It cannot tell you that. But Tag Manager can't. 
So Tag Manager is a platform that Google created that said, listen, we know Google Analytics is kind of limited. It's good for basic stuff for sure. But there's a lot of people who want to know about more advanced behaviors, not just did they load the page, but did they scroll down to a certain point in time? Did they stick around on that page for a certain number of seconds? Did they look at a particular page or interact with a particular widget on that page, like a video, or did they listen to the podcast, like the player, audio player, that sort of stuff? Did they interact with our pictures on our Shopify store, right? You can measure for that sort of thing. And they needed a platform that could do that easily so that marketers could use it, not just that you had to get a developer to do it. That was Tag Manager. So Tag Manager is created as a tool that is built to collect information. And it's really good at that sort of stuff. Like, hey, I want to know how many people saw my candle pictures and at least clicked on three different pictures. Tag Manager can tell you that. And then you tell Tag Manager, when you have that information, send it to Google Analytics, and then Google Analytics stores that information in its database. And so that's how these two platforms work together. So Tag Manager is when you level up and you want to get better at collecting more specific behaviors that are happening on your site, way beyond page views. If you just need page views, analytics is fine. If you're just starting out, you only need page views, I promise. Get used to that level first. Then eventually you ask bigger questions where you require more specific behaviors to be collected. At that point, you've now grown out of your current implementation and you move into something like Tag Manager adding into the stack. And so you add in Tag Manager to collect behaviors. You then have Google Analytics storing those behaviors in its database. And then I'm not sure if you're going to ask them this, but I'm going to volunteer it. There is another platform that's called Data Studio that you may have heard about. Data Studio is on the opposite end. It doesn't collect anything and it doesn't store anything, but it is really good at reports and it's very good at visual reports. So like in our case, I don't have data tables that I look at. I'm comfortable with numbers, but I do not want to stare at a spreadsheet all day long. So I like a kind of like, it looks like a flow chart where it's, here's people that saw step one. Here's the people that saw the cart. Here's the people that bought. And I can see a flow chart of all that happening. That's because of data studio. So tag manager collects all the behaviors that we want to collect on the site. So we can see how the conversation is that the users are having. It sends all that information to Google Analytics, which stores it because Google Analytics is absolutely amazing at, at storing it. It's just there to store behaviors. And then Data Studio hooks into Google Analytics and builds my dashboard. And then that's what I see as the end user. I come in and I look at the dashboards and that tells me what's working and what's not. And if the thing is working, if the conversation is going the way that I expect that it should be going. So that's how those three platforms work together. Tag Manager, Analytics, and Data Studio, all completely free. Thank you, Google. But remember, <laughs> if you're not doing any of them, just start with Analytics because you build your muscles there and then you grow into the other two. Yeah, don't get overwhelmed. Start exactly smaller, right. get comfortable with a certain level, and then you can add on top. Good enough to get going. Yep. Yeah, and none of this helps us at all, even if it's free, if we're not looking at it or using it. 100% right, yep. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so as we're winding down here, what are a couple of common mistakes you'll see people make? So I want to intercept those for people who are going to, they've gotten interested here and they're jumping off and are ready to do something. What are some things you would caution people about? I would caution people for sure doing too much too soon. That's what most people try to do because they see what's possible and they start going like, oh, well, you know, I heard this guy talking on a podcast and Mercer was saying that, you know, I could measure how many people were looking at a specific part of a page and that would be great if I could do that. So I'm going to start doing that even though I haven't used analytics at all. So now you have to learn Tag Manager and Google Analytics and you got to know UTMs and you got to know goals and you got to know event tracking. And now all of a sudden you're going, oh my God, there's too much. And you're right, there is. And you're never going to get it done because what will happen is you'll get busy, you'll go down the weeds and you'll never get any progress made because you're biting off more than you can chew you know, to use another turn of phrase. So just get good enough to get going. 
answer the questions that you're currently asking, there will always be time to answer bigger questions. And those will naturally happen. As long as you're asking results and how questions, you'll ask bigger results and how questions the next time you go through it. And then you'll ask even bigger results and how questions. And you will naturally grow into that. So that's the first thing. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Get good enough to get going and just focus on that one thing. I'm going to build the skill. I'm going to learn UTMs. And that's all I'm going to do for this week. And you practice UTMs with your emails or something like that. Or you just turn on analytics if you're not using analytics. So that sort of thing. One thing at a time, very tiny bites. Good enough to get going. The second piece of advice would be mindset, which is don't discount. The tendency is I'm not going to figure this out. I'm not the type of person who can figure this out. And that's like you telling me, I know, but I can never read. I don't care who you are. You can learn how to read. You can do it. There's, you might have to learn differently than somebody has learned it, but you can learn how to read. And it might take you a little longer sometimes, but you can learn how to do it. And the only difference is you have to use a different framework or a different model or a different recipe to get there than maybe what somebody else did. And that's the, you know, the shameless self-promotion. That's what we're good at. We're good at helping people, teaching them in different ways because what works for one may not work for another. And so that's why we have instructors that can kind of do a lot of handholding. And it's important to have somebody in your corner. But if you don't believe that you can, then you won't. Right. And so it's important to think, you know what, I just haven't done it in the way that's worked in the past, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad reader. Going back to the stories, right? That kid's storybook. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad reader. It just means the puzzle pieces are ripped up. Of course, it's going to be harder to read. So first, in order to read a book, I have to learn how to put the pages together. Then I can read the book pretty easily, you know, and that's exactly what it's like when it comes to this number stuff. So those would be the two biggest pieces of advice I have for people starting out. Okay. Well, I mean, you've clearly demonstrated here and done a marvelous job of explaining giving us some steps, showing us some examples of how this could really work to our benefit. So how would we learn more? You have classes, you have people. Tell us that. I want to talk with you more, Mercer. How do I do that? <laughs> like I said, I mentioned earlier, our flagship program is called the Measure Marketing Academy. It's kind of a do-it-yourself. It's a just-in-time learning platform is how we mentioned that because we create content faster than anybody could ever watch it. We've got new videos every week. We do courses every month. It's a crazy amount of content, and it's not one of those platforms where you come in and watch everything because you won't be able to. But the idea is that no matter where you are, if you're in the cave or if you're in the valley or if you're in the summit, when we talked about those three stages of measurement, you can come in, learn these tools for the stage that you're at so that you can get to the next stage. And then we have dedicated instructors that are there because I think that's the biggest piece that's missing. Because let's face it, you can go to YouTube and watch a million videos on how to do this stuff. We've got a YouTube channel you can go to and watch. But there's not the support there. You can't go to an instructor and say, hey, listen, this video is a year old. And so it looks different now, which it does. This stuff changes all the time. So you want an instructor that you can go to and say, hey, let me just create a video and you can send our instructors videos and then we'll send videos back. It's kind of like having a consultant on call. It's like a whole other level of support. So the Academy, if you're interested in really learning this, I would definitely encourage people to do that. Measure Marketing Academy, which you can find out more. Just go to measuremarketing.io and you can see that. But the other thing that if somebody, this goes back to your point of like, ah, I'm not really sure if I'm ready for this and I want to kind of get an idea of the training that they have and kind of sample some stuff. We have a free level of our membership, what we call the toolbox membership. And that is where we do weekly training. So some of it's a little more advanced, some of it's a little simple because obviously it's you know, a little bit for everybody, but you can get back there and you can see every week there's a new training that would apply to you. So at least once a month, you'll have something that'll be of interest. And then we give you all of the tools. We've created a lot of our tools for our members and we give all those out to our free members as well. So there's one called the Traffic Tracking Toolkit, which would be the one that I would definitely focus on if anybody's first starting out. It'll teach the whole UTM thing to you and help you organize and plan that out. So that's the toolbox. In order to get that, just go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash gift biz to do that. 
And again, the reason I'm saying go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash gift biz is because when you do that, you will see in the URL of your browser when you look at it that it's taking you to a different page. It's what they call a redirect. It's taking you to a different page, which is the toolbox page. And you will see those UTMs where we say, oh, okay, I got it. I know I'm from this podcast. It was podcast traffic. It was one that we recorded in July, 2021. And we see all of these different details coming through that tells us, yes, podcast traffic is working the way it's supposed to, or it's not. We'll see that. And that's because of those UTMs. So it's another example. Even if you don't get the toolbox membership, at least see that redirect working because you can see what I'm talking about when it's like, that's how you would track or measure a farmer's market right? Or if you're speaking at a live event or at a craft fair, craft show of some sort, that's how you would measure for that sort of stuff. Right. Because it gives you the target that they need to land on that then is the ticker for the measurement. And it identifies exactly. It identifies it came from podcast, yeah. which otherwise you wouldn't be able to measure, right? That yeah. doesn't do that by default. That's something we're customizing. Yeah. Okay, you guys, make me proud. I want to know you're investing in your business and actually doing all of this. So you're going to go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash gift biz. And of course, all of this will be over in the show notes as well. This is amazing. It's so enlightening to see all of these things that are available for us at our fingertips, free to use, with also guidance from you, some handholding if we need it, all of this. So, I mean, Mercer, what you've put together is absolutely amazing. I, for one, am committing to being better at this because I know I should be. And now's the time because you have sparked my interest and excitement about this. I'm really looking forward to what this can do. Outstanding. I can't wait. Yeah. Amazing. Mercer, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. Thanks again. And, and hopefully everyone gets a little value. Remember, just get good enough to get going. Okay. No messing around here. Step one, go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash gift biz and grab the free download available for you right now. Second, get Google Analytics connected to your website, even if you're not using it yet, because right away it will begin capturing valuable information. Then go back, listen to this all over again, and create one simple question you want answered. Because you see, understanding real customer behavior through live data is going to lead you to make adjustments that will allow you to truly move the needle in your business. Keep in mind what Mercer said, start small and easy, and then you can ask more complex questions later. The whole point is to get started. So please, don't just listen to this show and then be done, move on to something else. The information has been served to you, now it's up to you to do something with it. Next week, we're building on what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, subscription boxes. That was episode 338, where we talked all about getting your product into a box or setting up a subscription box business of your own. Our show coming up next is about one of our very own Gift Biz Breezers doing just that. Next Saturday, make sure to tune in. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. Be safe and well. And I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. 
got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.